I covet your prayers. I didn't feel well this morning. Woke up, but we are thankful that His His Spirit is able to overcome our weakness, right? Our faults, our failures, where we come short. His Spirit gives us that that we need to overcome. And I'm thankful for that. This morning as we're in the book of Acts, we're going to talk about hindrances to the church. We're going to be in Acts chapter 15 verses 10 through through 20 here. And, and we've seen this, right? We've seen the ebbs and flows of the church. It gets great things happen and then there's persecution. Great things happen and there's struggles. Great things happen. God moves, souls are saved, the church grows and, and things interfere with it. But we see it very clearly how the enemy works within the church itself to hinder the working of the Holy Spirit here in Acts chapter 15. We're going to read verses 10 through 20, but we'll we'll give some more insight into to what else occurs here. But the scripture, if you want to follow along with us or in your, in your Bibles here, is it goes like this. It says, Now therefore, why do you test God? By putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear, but... We believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And, and with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written after this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. Known to God from eternity all his works. Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual morality, and and from things strangled, and and from blood. This is Acts chapter 15, verses 10 through 20. Let me me set the stage as we try to do. (coughs) Through the past several chapters, we, we have seen this issue come up time and time again, right? We look back even as Peter there uh, was going to go see Cornelius. And the, the Lord lets down the sheet and gives him this vision of telling him how nothing that God has made clean is, is unclean. And begins to establish this understanding amongst some of the church leaders that the G- Gentiles had a place amongst God's people. How God had, had made them and called them for His purpose to come into His house, come into the fold, come into the, the kingdom of God. And we see that begin to just that, that set thread through the past couple of chapters as Paul and Barnabas, they, they go on these mission trips to these other places and God works and does mighty things. But the issue has really got to a point where a decision has to be made. A formal stance basically is made within the church because there's this teaching going around that some of the Jews are taking and, and trying to instill amongst the Gentiles that, that they have to be... Just like the Jews, they have to be circumcised yeah. and to follow the Mosaic law to the T as the Jews had already always been raised to do. Right. Amen. And that's where we get here. Right. Peter comes in here in the 10th verse and is, and is discussing some of the things that he's seen, some of the things that he's paid witness to. And, and he begins to talk about it at the added burdens that the Jewish people are, are trying to instill upon these people. It says here, it says, Now therefore, why do we test God? By putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. Peter says something so insightful in this scripture. He addresses this issue of the Mosaic Law, and he basically says, Brothers and sisters, do you not understand that we could not fulfill this? 
We cannot bear this burden. We cannot carry this cross. We cannot take this yoke upon us and and do what was meant to be done with it. Why then are we going back and trying to add it on to the the lives, this burden, onto the lives of these Gentiles, these new converts, and say, you have to do what we are incapable of doing. He says our fathers couldn't do it. Their forefathers couldn't do it. All the way back to to where these first things were laid down amongst God's people. None, None of us have been able to fulfill this. Yet here we are, the example, the testimony that we could not do this, trying to make another do this same thing. To add a... A burden upon them. And, and as this idea, as we've read through this scripture this week and studied it, this idea of things that hinder the church, hinders to the church, I, I think of how many times we as church people, we as followers of God, we add burdens onto ourselves that, that God does not desire for us to carry. We add expectations or we add stipulations to what church is supposed to be and, and we hinder God moving. We hinder the working of the Holy Spirit because of these added burdens that God wants us to grow but then we're back here trying to haul all this other stuff that we've added on and, and we wonder why we're not growing and He says, well if you'd let some of that stuff go you'd be able to move a whole lot closer to me. You'd be able to move down the path a whole lot farther. I, 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 you know I'm not a, much of a runner or some kind of athletic person. But even if I tried, if I carried a backpack full of stuff, it makes it harder to do, right? Yeah. If I went and put on all kinds of weight and all kinds of burden and added that onto me, the task that was set before me would be even more difficult than what it was before. And we as followers of Christ, and we do it to ourselves, we do it to new converts that come in, we do it from people from other regions or whatever that may move into the area and come join us in church, and, and we have this expectation, personal expectation of the burden that we should carry, this added burden that we lay upon ourselves. And right. we need to understand that the he says, my burden is light. Yeah. And it is easy. He says, come take it yeah. and carry it yet. We add onto the burden. Here Jesus came. We understand the scriptures. At one point he says, I came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. The scriptures misunderstood by some that, that make it, make you think that it means that he still wants us to follow the law to the T. That's not what he's saying. He's saying the law must remain for you to understand the price that I had to pay. That price is still upon us. The price of death, of sin, still resides upon us. Yet it is only through Jesus Christ's fulfillment of the law that we do not have to pay that price. He isn't wiping the law away so that we all can go and do whatever we want to. He is saying, I will fulfill what you cannot fulfill. Now this was mind-blowing to the Jewish people. A lot of them, it took a long time for them to grasp onto this understanding that they have been made free through Christ Jesus. They've been given life and life more abundantly. And they still we see them struggling with this concept. I still have to carry this burden. I still have to carry this expectation. I still have to carry this book of rules and these understandings and these thoughts and and all this stuff around with me even though Christ has made me free. Even though He has fulfilled it, I still have to do it. And we do it all the time in our our own walks with Christ. We come and we we ask God to save us. and We seek seek for Him to forgive us of our sins. And and we lay down the burden of sin and shame at His feet, but then we pick up a different burden. A burden of our own personal expectations or the family's thought of what we should do or sometimes, sadly, even the church's expectations of what we should do. That added burden that we pick up, we just trade off burdens. But he says, leave it there. 
He says, leave it there. He says, his, like I said, His cross, His burden, His light, and His easy. Yet we add on to the burden. And it hinders our growth. It hinders our growth. If you take a child that's in their developmental stages and, and every day when they woke up, you, you strapped a heavy weight onto them, they wouldn't be able to grow the way that they're supposed to. You take them to a doctor and they'd say something is is hindering their development. There's some weight, there's some burden that should not be there that is keeping them from to fulfill what it is they're supposed to do. And the Lord looks at His people every single day and says that burden, that thing that you've added on, that thing that you think that's important, that thing that you're just a stipulation, this expectation that you are holding yourself to, that I'm not holding yourself to, it is hindering your growth in me. Take the burden off. And leave it at His feet. It wasn't meant for you to come and just trade out one burden for another. It wasn't meant for you to trade out one thing of guilt and shame for another thing of guilt and shame that you can't be good enough. That's not what God came to do. He came to give you life and life more abundantly to remove the burden and for you just to follow in His footsteps. Amen. But that's one of the hindrances to people, to individuals, to families, and to churches, the added burden that we, we put on. That's the truth. We also sometimes become one issue... People. What we see here, and we'll go in just a minute and we'll read uh, Acts chapter 15, verse 1. We see it's very easy for us as people to become hyper-focused on one or two things that we think are the most important things. Very easy for us to do that. It's very easy for us to just to, to central in and narrow in on one or two things that we think these are the priorities that I have to focus on. And we sometimes, oftentimes, gloss over other things. But And we see that with the people here in this day and age, right? Acts 15, 1 says, And certain men came from Judea and taught the brethren, they talked about the Gentiles, unless you were circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. This was their central doctrine to these people. This was their main focus. They were they hyper-focused on this issue that they felt the Gentiles were doing wrong, and they narrowed in on it, and that's all that they talked about. That's all that they discussed, to the point where it became an issue amongst the people, where they had to have this conference in Jerusalem, where they had to get all the leaders together and say, hey, this is all that we're talking about right now. This is all that we're dealing with right now. The gospel can't be preached because we're too busy talking about circumcision. We have to come to a point to where we understand what we believe on this and move on with it and do what God has called us to do. We become too focused on issues that we sometimes forget about the gospel. And that is a dangerous thing. And the enemy will make you feel like you're holy and righteous for focusing on these issues. And if you look back, you haven't shared the gospel with anybody. You've just told them what you think about a certain position. And that is dangerous. And it is harmful. People aren't going to be saved by talking to them that they need to be circumcised. That's not how it works. People aren't going to be saved by talking to them about this issue or this position or what your opinion is on this. Or even if it is a sinful act, if that's all that you focus on, people aren't saved by going over sins that they already know or convicted of in their hearts. They're saved by seeing and experiencing the goodness Amen. of God. That's what leads a man to repentance. But they focused on this one issue. And this is what the enemy wants to get you to do. Because you will feel righteous in what you are doing, yet you will not be fulfilling the work of God that He has set and established for you to do. And you leave a conversation feeling like you've done God's work, and God's like, you never even mentioned my name. Yeah. And we can leave a big spiel about this and that and feel like we have been a great Christian, yet we have never shared the gospel message once. 
Because we're so hyper-focused on one issue. When the issue becomes bigger than the gospel, we have strayed. When the issue becomes bigger than the gospel message that we are called to share, we have strayed. But we do that. Just as they did back then. The enemy, every generation, every couple of decades, every whatever it may be, he brings up something else and it becomes the issue. Right? We can look in our world and we can see the issue or a couple of issues. And the church world hyper focuses on it to the point where we stop sharing the gospel and just start talking about these issues. Right. Amen. Jesus came to share the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ that He had come, the Messiah had risen, had came, and His disciples were left to come and talk about the risen Savior. Not about their issues. Right. Not become focused on the things of this world. But focused on things above. And we need to focus on the things above. Here's, here's the reality. Is that the enemy will get us to a point to where we're arguing over what issue is most important. Instead of trying just to do the full work of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Amen. Gilbert and Austin, come here. And we do this all the time. We don't even realize it because the enemy has has got us so convinced that we're doing the right thing that that we just don't we just don't even notice it. But I have a small puzzle here. Okay, I forgot to bring a puzzle from home, so this is coming from our children's <coughs> church. But I want we'll give you the crab, not because you're crabby. We'll you the crab. Well, let's see, Dave. We'll give you a turtle. Kind of, oh no, you're not, you're not in trouble. Dave's a little turtle. Let's see. Um, I don't know about that. We'll give you the seahorse. Now, they could spend all their time discussing which piece is the most important part of the puzzle and just be focused on their piece and be like, well, it's very important for the puzzle to have the crab or it's it's not just a good puzzle, or it's very important for the puzzle to have a seahorse, or it's not a good puzzle. But instead, they could be spending time putting the puzzle together. Right? And we as Christians spend so much time arguing and debating and fussing and getting into conflicts, whether it be at home or on Facebook or some other realm, about what piece, what issue that we are focused on is the most important, that we stop sharing the message of the gospel and putting it all together and finishing the puzzle. Amen. And as long as the enemy keeps you in that place just spinning your wheels, he's fine and dandy. He'll let you talk about your virtues and your morals and your issues and how good of a person you are. And while Gilbert's opinion is more important than Austin's opinion or vice versa, he'll let you do that till Jesus comes back because that won't get people saved. He doesn't want you to put the pieces together. He doesn't want you to realize that it's these issues and all these things, they're minor to the whole big picture that Jesus Christ will return one day and that the kingdom of God, it will come and that if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that we will, the world will, understand the consequences and the punishment of death. But if we work together, put our pieces in, we, we complete... The puzzle. You don't sit down. We complete the puzzle that is doing the work of God. But as long as we're hyper-focused on, well, my church doesn't do this and it should do this. 
or my this doesn't do this and it should do that, or my neighbor's doing this and that's really bad and they need to they need to get that straight, or the world has went to, to, to pot because of this central issue. No, the world has always been on a, on a path to hell once this, uh, Adam and Eve took the fruit of the Garden of Eden, right? That's been something that has progressed ever since. The issues might change and the devil will get you convinced the issue's the important part. It's not the issues, it's the core thing of sin. Yeah. That Jesus Christ is the answer to that. Amen. But we focus on one or two big, bright, neon light issues. That's right. And we forget the gospel. So that's something that can hinder the church. That we become a one issue people. But on the opposite side of that, we can also get to the point where we fail to address sin. I said all that with the, with the last point. But that, that does not mean that we should ignore sin. That is, that is not saying to compromise our beliefs. But it is saying that we need to understand that the issue should be bigger than the core gospel message. But we also have to understand that we must address sin in a righteous and upright fashion that God would desire for us to. Because here's what the leader said. They go and they meet and talk about all this. Peter tells them, you know, why are we doing this that we couldn't, why are we trying to make them do that we couldn't even do? Paul and Barnabas goes and talks about what they've seen God do through and with the Gentiles. James goes and he refers back to the prophets and what they had said and things of that nature and what Christ had said. And, and then they say this. He says, therefore I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who return to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. He says, instead of just focusing on the one, let's just let them know that this is sin. We address sin as a whole, not just this, that, and the other, not just to pick and to do or the ones that we think are important or the ones that mean a lot to us or the ones that stand out the most to us or the ones that we aren't doing so we're okay pointing them out. But he says, let's just address the sin whole and then we'll allow God to do the work that he needs to do. They don't say to not address sin. He doesn't say, let them go do what they want. He doesn't say, well, we're just going to move past this point and then we're just going to tell them that whatever they want to do, they're Gentiles, they can do whatever. No, they address the sin, but he says, we're not just going to focus it down to one little thing. We're going to let them know that sin is a broad thing that we need to be aware of, that we need to be conscious of, and we need to work to avoid. It's not just this one or the other. Here's the thing, and we think we said it in Sunday school. We as a church, not us necessarily, the globe over, the church world is often called hypocritical by the secular world. And why is that? And we can look at a lot of different reasons. And you can give a bunch of different explanations. I think it simply comes down to this. We deal with certain sins different than we do with others. Right. We are inconsistent with how we approach sin. We do. There's sins that we will make a big deal about. The issues that we'll point out, right? I'm not saying that they're not sin. But when we address those in a way with an intensity and a passion that that just does not anywhere come close to how we deal with lying or pride or things of that nature, then we are being hypocritical. We are not following the footsteps of Jesus. 
Jesus went to each and every one, whether it be the, the woman that had committed adultery with, with, her, with her, her husband or with, with the people in the, in the city or the one that, that had five different husbands or the one that had sinned or the one that had pride or the one that uh, the tax collector that was greedy. All of them, he gave this same basic conversation, the same ideal that you have to follow me. He didn't say one was worse than the other. He didn't treat one better than the other. He didn't say, oh, you just oh, you just did this a little bit. That's okay. You don't have to follow us closer. You don't have to change as much. No. He addresses all of them and says, sin is sin. Whoever approached them with whatever they carried, with whatever they were doing, that failed to meet whatever we were are supposed to do, it was a blanket thing of, this is sin. And he was consistent with how he dealt and addressed Sin. But we aren't. I mean, we could all go back, and if you go through your Facebook posts or things, you might be able to find a post that you've made about your, those issue of sins. When was the last time we, we talked about lying? When was the last time we talked about pride being sinful? We talked about greed being sinful. We talked about, as, as Austin talked about this morning, to know to do good and to do it not is sinful with the same zeal as we do about these certain other ones. Right. <clears throat> and we question why the world thinks we're hypocritical. The reality is the church world in that essence and in that sense is very hypocritical because we have multiple standards. Yet Jesus just had one. Jesus just had one. He wasn't going to say, well, you know, this is okay sometimes and this isn't okay sometimes. He wasn't going to say that, hey, as, as long as you don't do this too much, you're okay. He didn't say as long as you, you know, don't we do these sins, you're all right, but these sins are worse. No. Sin was sin. He said, he said I would do that you not sin, my little children. He didn't say, I would that you'd rather not commit adultery, but it's okay to lie. He said, I would that you'd rather not sin, but if you do sin, you have an advocate with, with the Father. Amen. And a failure to address sin in a consistent way will hinder a church from reaching people in the world that are lost. Because here's the thing. This is the reality. When someone that maybe has just lied throughout their life, and, 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 and it's double-edged because it hurts to see the way. When we don't talk about lying and things of that nature, people think it's okay to lie and things of that nature. Right? And when we focus too much on certain issues, we make those people feel like they're unwelcome and that they have no place. So when you're inconsistent, you hurt the ones you're not talking about and you hurt the ones you are talking about. And the enemy is like, yeah, that sounds great to him. Right? But if we are consistent in how we approach sin, if we are consistent with how we talk about sin, if we are consistent with how we point out sin and how we go and address it with the people around us or in our own lives, then the enemy can't use that and say, well, you're okay because they don't talk about lying that much. That's okay. And he can't say, well, just because they talk about this all the time, they must not want you. We are consistent throughout it all. right? I worked at McDonald's a long time ago. And McDonald's a big spill, a big thing. And I don't feel like they made it, but that's their own thing is that the same burger you get today would be the same burger you get three days from now. That it looks the same, it tastes the same, it's, it's, it's the same way, that it, it's, just, it's consistent, right? That McDonald's, that's, this is their brand, that they are consistent. That there's no question what you're going to get. Do people question the Christian they're going to get from you day from day? Do they question, well, am I going to get the Holy Roller today? 
Am I going to get the one that's going to point out all my flaws and ignore theirs? Or am I going to be, get the one that is doing whatever they want to today and doesn't say a word about Jesus? Do they question what they're going to get when you roll up, when you get close, when they see you? Or do they know this is the consistent that I want to see? And if it's a lie, or if it's fornication, or if it's robbing and stealing, or violently hurting somebody, they're going to treat sin as sin. And I know that because they are consistent. They are not hypocritical in the way they approach sin. They are consistent in it. But we have to understand how we approach. A failure to address sin in a consistent manner will hinder our mission to the world. It will hinder the growth of the church. And it will hinder our, our own lives. Because we get to a point sometimes where we address sin so differently we begin to believe it. Where we don't talk about sin out in the, lying out in the world so we believe it's okay for us to lie at home. And our children begin to think, well, it's okay to lie at home. Mom and Daddy's already always fussing and talking about drinking and drugs. That's all they talk about is, is being bad. So that's the thing. If I'm doing everything else, that's, that's okay. Mom and Daddy only talk about fornication. Mom and Daddy only, only talk about LGBTQ stuff. Mom and Daddy only talk about this, that, and the other. So if I'm doing anything else, that's okay. As long as I don't do that, I won't upset them. But be that consistent. For our children know sin is sin. Yeah. That to not align with the will and desire of God in whatever way, fashion, or form it presents itself is, is sin. Not just the issues that we think are important in the moment. Not just the things that stand out in the moment. Not just the things that we feel emboldened enough to talk about. They're not just the things that we aren't doing. Because we all can talk about the things we aren't doing. And that's easy. It's difficult to talk honestly about the things that we are doing and the ways that we are feeling, and the sins that we are participating in. But we need to talk about them all the same and address sin on an even playing field. The churchism, the Christianism of its level ground at the foot of the cross sounds good, but when you look at the way that we've established church culture, it, we really don't talk that. We, we really don't live that way. We think that it's, it's different for everybody depending on what they've done. But sin is sin. And any kind of failure to align with God is sin. And it all needs to be treated the same way. It all needs to be treated. Because in the end, in the end, somebody's not going to get a pass just because all they did ever in their life was lie and they didn't accept Jesus. Somebody's not going to get a pass just because they had a little bit of a, a greedy heart but they never did anything really bad. Because the main issue is accepting Jesus. Right. Knowing Him. Believing in Him. Amen. Following Him. Inviting Him in. People will say, well, why is God sending me to hell? No, that ain't how it works. We're on the way to hell. And we get there only by not accepting Jesus when He presents Amen. Himself. And if all you're doing is talking about sins, you're not telling people how they can avoid hell. You're just telling them that they're going there. Tell them how they did not go there. Right. Address the sin. Don't focus on just the issue. Address the sins, but but focus on the the core message of what we're here for. He said, go into the highways and the hedges and tell them all they've done wrong. No. Go into the highways and hedges and point out every little thing that they've messed up. No. 
go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. Amen. Compel them to come in. We can address it in a consistent way, yet our focus remain on the gospel message. It's a tightrope to walk, but it's what we're called to walk. And that's what Jesus did. He addressed sin, but he never strayed from the idea that I'm here for the sinner. I'm here for the broken. I'm here for the hurting so that they can receive this gospel message and be saved. Amen? Yeah. Amen. There's things that hinder us. And a lot of times we think of hindrances and we think of, oh, well, we go to the issues. Well, those big sins will hinder us. Or me not coming to church will hinder us. Yes, those things can. But we oftentimes are not aware that we add burdens that hinder us. That our focus, our hyper focus on one or two issues can hinder us. And avoiding to address sin can hinder us as well. And we need to address those in our lives at times. Amen. So this this morning.